Hello to all our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator. And I'm Josh and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid down to earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. Visit us at completewedo.com for more information. Hello, hello. We are back with a revisit and an update to the important topic of timelines. Today, we're going to discuss how to set an achievable timeline that also fits your vision of the big day. So Tara, the last time we tackled this topic was just over a year ago, and we established the need to have quote unquote key vendors, uh, the setting of a non-wedding party member or a non-parent to be the go-to person the day of, and then also the oversharing of the timeline. So these are all still going to hold true. Those are, those are good best practices to have, but let's get more into the nuts and bolts of actually putting a timeline together and just realize that for this discussion, we're making the assumption that there's not a full service, you know, wedding planner like yourself, because that role would typically walk couples through the process of putting this together. So let's think about this through the lens of a DIY bride. And so my question is, uh, what advice would you give for a starting point to build an effective timeline? Yeah. So I think I, I get a lot of clients that email me that I, when I'm not their wedding planner, and the first thing they say is I need to create my timeline so I can figure out what time I'm going to have my ceremony. And I kind of think that that seems a little bit backwards because in all reality, picking your ceremony time is completely up to you and potentially your venue in your church, if they have, you know, like Catholic church that has, you know, a set time that you can have that. So set your ceremony time first, set what time you truly want to begin the important moments of your day, um, because then you work backwards and then forward to kind of figure out the rest. And so if you're somebody that, you know, doesn't want your ceremony to be too early in the day, whether that's because of heat or, you know, whatever it may be, um, or maybe you are thinking through, okay, how long of a day do I want from ceremony till end of reception? You know, think through that first and figure out your ceremony start time, how long that ceremony is going to last, and then when you want your reception to end. Um, and then I think you can start to build in all of the other little things, such as your picture timeline and the flow of your reception, if there's going to be a break in between your ceremony and reception. Um, and all of those factors will really kind of tell you when the day is going to start for like hair and makeup and all of that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really like the the points that you brought out. I mean, the first things that you're going to need a book when you're putting a day together are going to be your ceremony and your reception location. And if those are two different things, I mean, you bring up a good point. Churches typically have a time that you will have things and your reception venue is going to have a time that you have to end. And the other thing that I would say they normally are going to have is a time if they're doing the catering that dinner is going to start. So if you have your end, you have your reception start time and you have what time dinner is going to start. To me, those are the three anchor kind of timelines that you're, you're not going to be able to move. I mean, there's absolutely nothing that you can do if a Catholic church says your ceremony time is at X to stop that. And typically speaking, if your venue says 
you have to shut down at midnight. There's, there's nothing you're going to do about that. Um, dinner, you might have a little bit of modularity, but I completely agree with you. Don't, don't, uh, don't pick your ceremony time last. And, you know, another thing I always recommend is if you're thinking about a reception that ends at midnight and a ceremony potentially at one o'clock, just think about what the overall total time experience that you're asking for one yourself to your members of the wedding party three your immediate family and then four your actual guests because i mean if you show up for a one o'clock ceremony and the dance doesn't get over until midnight you're you're ultimately asking for half a calendar day out of your guests i mean any anything else you would add to those comments yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And, and knowing what length of time you want the celebration to be. Um, and I, I think when, you know, you're right on the dinner side of things, uh, you know, those are the ceremony start time, your, your dinner time are two things that I tell the clients that when I build the timeline, we really can't move those times um, because it, there's a lot of things that go into effect. A, you can't have everybody waiting for you at the ceremony um, and B, you don't want your food quality to either be, you know, not there um, because you've altered the time to be either earlier and they're scrambling to get ready or too late. And now your food's been sitting out for too long. So yeah, those two times are definitely um, times that we don't move. What I would add to on the catering side of things would be, what do you plan to serve? And I, I bring this up because I'm currently helping a friend plan her wedding where she really likes the idea of heavy appetizers and hors d'oeuvres and just, you know, kind of having this non, you know, just graze as you go through the dance. Um, but she has a one o'clock ceremony at a Catholic church. And so she was like, well, I don't know if we really want to break. We may want people to just go right over. And I'm like, well, you know, serving heavy appetizers at five o'clock versus serving heavy appetizers at seven o'clock is totally two different things because of what your your, your guest appetite is at five o'clock, they're expecting a meal, which means they're going to make those heavy appetizers a meal. And you're going to go through a lot more of them where if you serve heavy appetizers at seven, then they are potentially have already eaten maybe a light meal. Um, or again, they're not anticipating it being this, you know, huge dinner plate that they're hoping to you serve. And so having a good idea of what you're going to serve will help you kind of figure out um, what the best meal time is. And that goes to the, you know, the opposite. If you plan to serve a chicken and beef entree, likelihood you don't want to serve that at seven o'clock or later, because that is a lot later than maybe some of your elderly guests are used to eating. And so really having a good idea of what you're planning to serve can help build that um, time frame. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, what you just described, the friend's wedding that you're working on, that sounds like a really long day. And I mean, if I was personally planning that and want to go to the heavy appetizer round, I would probably look at doing that somewhere in the neighborhood of like four o'clock to start doing heavy appetizers and know that you need to really overorder on that and then make sure you plan on having a late night snack. And, you know, maybe you bring pizza out of uh, eight o'clock, something to that effect, right about the time that the dance starting. And I think that could be a, a really cool way to do a, to do a timeline, but I'm um, thinking about a one o'clock ceremony and, and trying to go through the end of the night. This, this reminds me of a story. And this is another thing that I would keep in mind. I had a couple one time where their day looked like that. And the bride was in bed at 11 o'clock. And that was because she had already gotten sick. And 
I mean, I can tell you there wasn't anything that I saw that made me think that she was, you know, hitting the sauce really hard by any means, but most people aren't, uh, aren't set up to go for that long, you know, in, in a situation where you're going to have really intermittent type of food and, um, you know, you're going to be consuming a lot of drinks and things of that nature and probably not really focusing on the amount of water intake that you have and stuff. So, I mean, that, that's the thing that I always think of when you're, when you're talking about a really long day, just to be cautious of, you gotta, you gotta really manage how your, your intake and uh, effort exertion looks throughout the entire period of time through the day. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. And, and, you know, it's, again, you think through, you know, what you and your wedding party may be able to endure and then what can your family endure and then what can your, your guests endure. And so knowing that, um, and, having that break in between ceremony and reception is good for two things. It's, it, you know, can kind of help reset um, and allow you a little bit more buffer time to kind of get some pictures done and stuff like that. Um, and not, you know, have to feel like you have to feed and drink, you know, booze up your, your guests and wedding party in that in-between time, they can kind of go do something of their own. Um, but then it also, it gives them a little downtime to rest and reset to, to hopefully then really go all out for your reception. And so definitely think through if you are going to have that early ceremony, um, is, is a break in between a good idea. Um, and I think we, we've had a podcast or two, um, where we've kind of talked about what do they do in that, in that downtime. And so there's, there's lots of little things that you can kind of put on your schedule. Yeah. Uh, last thing that I'll say is make sure that you, you have a plan. Cause, uh, if not, you'll have various members of the, uh, of, of the group of guests that you have that might put their own plan together and, uh, just understand that you might view that plan as kind of horrifying. Um, <laughs> so per personal story time, when, when Misty and I got married 12 years ago, we had a pretty substantial gap in between I want to say it was two hours from the end of the ceremony to when you could actually get into the uh, reception location and part of that was done because we wanted to get our, our pictures done and um, not see each other before and we wanted to be part of cocktail hour was really what it came down to and the other thing that we really wanted was a traditional thing that I remember from Kansas which included you ride around on a party bus while your guests get to cocktail hour before you. I don't know that we would put the same timeline together now, um, but that's how we did everything. And there was a two hour break and we did not plan for anything. Now, thankfully, one of our friends who lived halfway in between where the ceremony and reception venue were invited all of our family and friends over to his place. And, you know, this was right in downtown Milwaukee and everything. And, and so he that day took on the role of entertaining everybody and ended up working out perfectly. And that's one of the things that people still talk about from our wedding. But if uh, he wouldn't have been there, I, I can't even, you know, guarantee that we wouldn't have a ton of people that decided to take a nap and not wake up until close to dinner time or <laughs> spend a, a heavy amount of bar hopping that wouldn't have necessarily been the vibe that we wanted at the beginning of, of dinner and everything. So, um, yeah, just be mindful of that and, and come up with what, uh, what you think is a good, good fit for people to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So we talked about dinner, the end of the reception and the start of ceremony time as the, uh, anchors that you want to build around. Is there anything else you would add to that list? No, I mean, I would 
obviously your pictures take a good chunk of your day. And so um, I do think that the pictures are things that can be kind of moved around um, and things can be changed up with your picture timeline. But think through, you know, a, a good anchor would be what time of day do you want it to start? Do you want hair and makeup at 7 or 8 a.m.? Are you a late sleeper and you want it to be more around 10 a.m.? Um, so think through like what that start of the day looks like for you and what you're most comfortable with um, to also potentially set that ceremony time and then everything else if it's a little bit more flexible on your end that you have free range of the day to kind of pick those times. So typically speaking, when you're talking about hair and makeup and pictures, what do you normally look at as the uh, block of time that you need to set aside for both of those two activities? Yeah, so hair and makeup really kind of depends on your salon um, or stylist because if you, there's a little bit, there's lots of factors, I guess I would say. Are you traveling to the salon? Is the salon coming to you um, or the makeup artist, whatever it may be? Um, that sometimes can add to your schedule to where if you have to then, you know, figure out um, the, the transport time and how long that's going to take. Do they have more stylists that can take on your big wedding party if you went to the salon versus they can only bring two people if they have to come to your venue? And so knowing those things um, are, are definitely key. I, rule of thumb, we say to plan 45 minutes to an hour per girl um, that's getting their hair and makeup done. And that sometimes can fluctuate so much based on what, you know, is it an updo or are they just having their hair curled? Are they just doing hair and, you know, you're doing your own makeup. And so there's a lot of factors that go into that timing, but really having that hard conversation with the people that are in charge of your hair and makeup. And when you're doing your child run, making sure that they know how many girls you're going to have. And that usually isn't just the bridesmaids. It's sometimes the flower girls and the mothers um, and sometimes just the random sister, you know, so knowing exactly everybody that's going to need it and what do they plan to do with their hair and makeup. And then, you know, really talk through them at your trial as to how long it's going to take. Um, typically they'll start with like the moms and uh, the bridal party first and do the bride last. Um, and so knowing really how much time you're going to take, um, you know, because sometimes I would say that the girls, you know, we plan for 45 minutes to an hour, but sometimes that definitely takes, takes longer. When it comes to the picture timeline, again, working with your photographer on your picture needs um, and really knowing if you're going to do a first look or not. Um, if you are going to do a first look, which I am a huge advocate for, um, then I usually say three to four hours before your ceremony is usually the time needed for all of your pictures. And that includes your details, you know, your dress and your jewelry, you getting into your dress and then starting with your first looks and then the formal shots of your bridal party. And usually we try to get the formal shots of the immediate family done before the ceremony as well. That obviously, if you have a small bridal party or not a lot of family, um, and you're not somebody who's really into a lot of pictures of just the two of you, or even those big shots with the big groups, then obviously you can, you know, cut that time down. Um, and then obviously, if you're not doing a first look, then you probably don't need that much time. You maybe need about two hours of photography before your ceremony, and then it almost all the time, if you're not doing a first look, there's probably going to be at least an hour after your ceremony that you're trying to get all of those pictures taken. Okay, so just to kind of recap some of that, you need to be looking at somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes per 
per person who's getting hair and makeup done. So if you have a one o'clock ceremony and you want the bride to have her makeup done, you know, an hour, half an hour before that ceremony and you have four bridesmaids and that's it and you're not doing anybody else you're looking at probably seven o'clock in the morning that you need to start doing that to make that happen okay so just know that when you're looking at the number of people that you're bringing in to be the hair and makeup artist and um you know good call on making sure that you have accurate trial when you do the uh or accurate timing when you do the trial run other thing that i i definitely picked up is when you're talking about pictures you're not getting out of spending three to four hours on pictures there's there's just nothing you can do and it's all have a moving scale depending on how you want to do it and if the first time you see each other is right when the bride walks down the aisle know that you're going to have about half of that time frame before the ceremony and then half after i mean is that accurate yeah i would definitely say that's pretty accurate and and i would say yes most of my one o'clock ceremonies definitely start about 7 a.m Um, And the big thing that I would tell you with those that are planning those one o'clock, two o'clock ceremonies, you often find because of of hair and makeup, especially if you have a larger bridal party, that you don't often get a lot of the pictures done before the ceremony because there's just not enough time in the day. And so that's where you usually see those longer breaks afterwards so that they can get through all of the pictures that they need to do. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've kind of laid out some of the things that are going to, that are going to take time, um, you know, being off on hair and makeup, being off on, on pictures, definitely have the potential to throw the schedule off. Is there anything else that you need to be mindful and, and probably over schedule the amount of time, uh, aside from hair and makeup and, uh, the photography? Um, So I would say that most people that are going to create a timeline for you, and again, we're kind of walking you through as if you didn't have a coordinator, your coordinator is obviously going to to guide you on a lot of things. But if you're just working with your photographer and your DJ to kind of create that flow of the day and that timeline for you, majority of them are going to put in some sort of buffer time. And that's usually 30 minutes to an hour before the ceremony. And sometimes that I've seen be truly buffered time and people get to sit and relax and just, you know, have a free moment before the day. Um, Oftentimes though, I see that that's put in there because they need to allow for things to run over. Um, You're very right. Hair and makeup are typically one of the, I would say seven out of 10 weddings, hair and makeup does not get done at the time that they say it's going to get done. It's usually pretty close, um, but there are definite times that we've been scrambling. And then pictures for the most part, I've worked with a lot of great photographers that are going to, you know, get the ones that they need to get done prior to the ceremony. Um, and then anything that they couldn't get done that they were hoping to do before, they just try to make sure that they squeeze it in either in that br- break between your reception or sometime throughout the reception, you usually can kind of sneak away some of the immediate family to get some pictures. You can do more bride and groom pictures at sunset. Um, you can even get some of the detail shots when everybody's eating dinner. I have a lot of photographers that, you know, steal the rings and the flowers and stuff like that and try to get those done if they weren't done beforehand. And so those you can, you can really make up. I would say I also see that um, schedules don't run on time because people are not on time. And that could be your, you know, wedding party, that could be your family not getting there when they're supposed to. And that could be, you know, vendor related um, tuxes. Um, Lately, I have 
had nightmares with tuxes that are not, you know, coming in the right sizes and they're scrambling to get things sometimes day of. Um, I highly encourage you to tell all of your groomsmen to try on their tux on Thursday or Friday and not Saturday morning um, so that you can hopefully troubleshoot that before Saturday. But I've seen that delay a lot of pictures. Um, and then, you know, there is, I've worked with photographers that have been late or videographers or, you know, the, the venue we, I had a, a church wedding um, at a church that like doesn't actually hold church anymore, but it very much looks and feels like a church. Um, and so it was just, you know, a random volunteer that had to unlock the door for them to start pictures and they didn't show up on time. And so, you know, obviously the photographer just started shooting outside, but it was a really windy day. So we weren't getting all the pictures that they needed to outside because we were just waiting for someone to unlock the door. Um, you know, so there's a lot of factors, um, that putting in, in some buffer time in your schedule is, is ideal. Yeah. And, uh, the, the people thing that you mentioned <clears throat> seven o'clock start for hair and makeup, just because you the bride or a morning person doesn't mean that your entire wedding party is. And if you know that you have, uh, some members of your wedding party that are probably going to sleep in later. I mean, don't be afraid to set the force rank schedule of who's going to be going in what order based on stuff like that. So just make sure you kind of lean into the, the actual people that you have and, you know, good points on everything else that you, you mentioned. Um, so, you know, hair, makeup pictures are, are the things that um, you need to be mindful of and make sure you build plenty of extra buffer time. So what are some of the things that you can use to make up time? You know, let's say that you, you get off where, where can you possibly take from? Yeah. So usually I see it, it's, you know, dinner time. you, you may be rushed a little bit to finish your meal as a couple, um, so that your photographer can sneak you away to finish up some pictures um, and or, you know, the wedding party. Um, so usually I see borrowed time happening um, throughout the reception that they'll try to, again, kind of get people to either do those big group family shots on the dance floor, you know, right after everybody's done with dinner or again, sneak the couple away for a few things. Um, there's really, you know, not a lot of, you know, wiggle room around a ceremony time, but obviously, you know, as long as you are communicative, you know, with your, your guests that are sitting there waiting, um, for you to finish up something, then you can stall the ceremony a bit. Um, as long as you're not in a, in a venue or a church that is really, you know, strict on those times. Um, but I would say try not to do that um, just because it will start to trickle down, you know, as to be an effect that everything's off schedule that way. Um, the big things is really to just communicate with your vendors and making sure that they know, you know, you obviously when I'm, I'm thinking about the reception flow of the day, um, you know, when I'm a coordinator, I'm going to communicate to the caterer, you know, hey, we're going to, the, the wedding party has arrived, we're going to quickly do grand entrance and then prayer and then dinner. Um, however, if I need to tell the caterer, like, hey, actually, the party bus is running 30 minutes behind, um, you know, stall on putting that food in the shapers so that it stays a little bit better in the kitchen or in their hot boxes, whatever it may be, um, being that, having somebody that can communicate that um, to everybody. And so um, we recently had a, um, I was not the coordinator, but we had an event where pictures and everything in the party bus um, was taking a lot longer. And so grand entrance happened 30 minutes after than it was supposed to, which then, you know, made everything else go a little bit later. Um, and so it was just a matter of our 
our photographer was on the party bus. So they texted the DJ to let them know that they were running behind that DJ then, you know, told the caterer. And so just making sure that you have that community communication between your vendors for when the schedule is going to go awry and, and try to hit it up. And it definitely at the reception, that might be things if you're trying to get certain things done before your creative team is gone, your photo and your video teams are gone. It may be that you do everything super quick right after your first dance to make sure that you have enough time or it's when you decide that you want to scrap doing bouquet and garter toss because you'd rather have sunset pictures. Um, and so just knowing what you are willing to get rid of on your timeline um, or if you're okay with really just jam packing the beginning of your reception to get everything scheduled in there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and here's the thing, bouquet and garter toss uh, as a DJ, one of the questions that I always ask when I'm, when I'm going through schedule with couples is um, what time your photo and video people leave. So that way we can get all those things on camera. Um, you don't have to have photos and video of bouquet and garter toss. And in a lot of ways uh, it, it's nice to have, but in, the, in a lot of ways you probably won't really miss it either, you know? And you can always have somebody pull out a camera phone to take care of that. But I mean, the last thing I'll say, an unfortunate place you can give uh, time back is a shorter cocktail hour, which uh, nobody wants that. But that is, um, you know, probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, I know that that's uh, mutiny causing stuff here in Wisconsin, but what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> all right. So we talked about um, putting the timeline together. So when you're when you're sharing everything and i know that you have plenty of stories about this um, where the timeline can be put together and it's uh broken down into five minute increments and i mean i think that that's kind of a good potential to just not be happy with how it gets executed unless you have an actual coordinator day of planner that's running running everything and keeping everyone you know honest um all the best vendor interaction in the world it's hard to get stuff to a five minute type of break. But so um, you have the timeline. How do you suggest communicating it and making sure that you have it in, you know, like a format that everybody can look at? What are your, what are your tips there? Yeah. So there are definitely apps out there like Timeline Genius um, that can help you kind of create your timeline. Um, I do think even like the Knot and Wedding Wire may have a timeline builder on their um, platforms, but I mean, whether you're using Excel or even just a Word document, um, knowing that the information you as, as the couple may need or want to know isn't necessary for probably everyone. And so sometimes I'll see that couples will create two different timelines, or I may even suggest they create two different timelines. One being the all-encompassing timeline that has setup and rehearsal and vendor load-ins and the picture schedule and the ceremony and the reception flow. And then I see some that will just have um, the important moments that their family and wedding party need to know. Um, I would say your vendors probably want to know more of that all encompassing. Now your cake baker probably doesn't need your timeline. They just need to know what time you want them to set up. But your venue and your DJ and your photographer and your videographer, they want that timeline of all, all the things. Again, they probably don't need to know every vendor load in, but your photographer probably needs to know when your um, florist is going to show up and when your cake person is going to show up so they can plan their pictures around that. What your wedding party needs to see is really hair and makeup and the picture. And they, I, they probably want to know what the reception flow looks like, especially if they're the maid of honor best man giving a toast. They wanna to know how long they have um, to prepare for that. 
Um, or maybe, you know, there, there's other factors that they're trying to schedule around their day, such as, you know, kids or something. And so try not to give too much information to the people that don't need it. Um, and so really condense your timeline into the really important times. And then again, maybe have something more for you um, to keep that control um, and be in the know of everything that's a little more um, elite of all the details. Yeah, the one thing that I would just add is uh, don't assume that everybody communicates the way you do as well. So my suggestion is to have printed copies, email it, and then also have some sort of shared drive, like a Google Doc or something to that effect, and send it to everybody in the same way. Um, anytime I'm working, trying to put a big group together, I try to do all of those methods. Um, I personally prefer to have things on some sort of shared document that I can just pull up on my phone and look at it. But I'll tell you, my mom isn't doing that. <laughs> and uh, even some of my friends aren't going to do that. And there's, there's never going to be a replacement for the printed copy. And, you know, email it to, to somebody as well. That's another way that they can pull it up on their phone without having to worry about getting into some online shared document. Yeah, and I get asked a lot by my couples wondering if the guests need to know the timeline. And in all reality, they don't. They're there to enjoy your day and you'll tell them as the night goes on what's coming up next. But there are definitely fun, creative ways you can make a sign that's at, you know, your guest book that kind of tells them the order of events. I highly encourage you not put times next to that because, again, the flow of the reception is usually where we see that those times alter so much. And so, um, just so you don't have guests looking like, well, they said dinner was going to be at six, but it sure is six 30, you know, like don't, don't set yourself up for that. So instead you can create a little, you know, fun little piece of art that can sit at the guest book that kind of tells them, you know, what the flow of the night looks like, um, or potentially on their, the back of your, you know, ceremony program, you can put something about the order events. I see this as a very key thing, especially if you're going to have a break in between your ceremony and reception, because a lot of people, again, you know, may go off and do some adventures and they want to know, okay, you said five o'clock is the start of your reception, but is that five to six is a cocktail hour and dinner's really at six. So actually I could show up at six and be perfectly fine. Um, and so giving them a flow of event um, is sometimes nice. So they kind of know what to expect if there is that break. The other thing that I think is important in making sure that your guests know a timeline is if you're going to be doing transportation. Um, and this came um, up in my last wedding. We had um, hotel shuttles for everybody to get to the venue. So nobody had a car. Um, so they had to rely on when the shuttles. Um, and not everybody wants to stick around at your reception till 11 or midnight. And so they did shuttle runs at like 9 and 10 and 11 and midnight. Um, and so they needed to communicate that with their guests. And so they had printed, you know, in their welcome bags at the hotels, they had a schedule printed so that people knew that, okay, this, all of these things are happening at the reception and, but they would be done by nine. So yeah, I can take the early shuttle at nine because I'm not going to be the dancing crowd and it's okay for me to leave where some people may be like, well, if I leave at nine, will they have done all of these things? And so giving them some sort of schedule to know when it's okay in a sense for them to leave if they don't plan to stick around for the majority of the dancing is, is great. Yep, got it, got it. All right, uh, anything else before we get out of here about uh, putting a schedule together and executing it properly? 
I, I would say lean on your professionals. Um, definitely, um, there are probably a million and one uh, Google examples out there. And so definitely look through that. But I would say don't overstress on the timeline. It is your day. There are definitely things that we said that should go to schedule. But if the rest of the items are a moving target and it just doesn't you know, necessarily flow exactly how you had it on paper, just remember, it doesn't matter. No one's going to know. I always tell my couples at rehearsal, however it goes tomorrow is exactly how we practiced it because no one's going to know any different. Um, so if you alter things in your schedule, like don't let it stress you out. Um, creating that schedule for everybody shouldn't be a stressful situation. Um, I'm here at Complete to help any of our couples, even if they don't have coordination, create that timeline um, so that it, it will absolutely help your day flow better if you have a plan. So don't skimp on creating one. Just don't overly stress about everything. Yep. Last piece that I would just add is if you're looking at something, taking a range of time, um, plan it as the higher. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having extra buffer time. There's nothing wrong with getting things done early. Um, one of the things I always say to couples are, is that uh, the day goes really fast. And if you blink, you are going to miss it. And you have to consciously take time to just be in each other's presence and take in what the day is. Um, planning on four hours for photography and it gets done in a three and a half gives you a good half hour to, you know, do that. And just enjoy being around your wedding party and your parents and stuff like that. You know, when you're, when you're sitting, getting ready for the ceremony, just take some time to reflect and you'll be happy you did. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. Uh, episode 80, by the way, episode 80. And uh, so, yeah, until next time, take care. Take care. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit completewedo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning!